Welcome to 15 Minutes in Hell, a 15-minute interview show. I ask the questions, they give the answers, you listen. I'm Ed Zitron. Joining me today is Ben Collins. He's a senior reporter at NBC News. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah. Happy to have you here. All right. So Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. Who wins? <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, man. Like, I, I think I would be very afraid if I was a guy who said on one day, I'm doing 50 pounds of free weights, no specified activity with 50 pounds. It could be anything at all. And then the next day was getting an MRI in general on anybody. I mean, do you think the whole story is bollocks though? Yeah. Yes, of course. So you, do you think the fight happens at all? I don't know, man. How stupid is this though? (laughs) It's wonderful. I think it's great. I desperately want this to be a thing now. I want to see CEOs fight. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is, um, even in the, the dumbest possible timeline, this is way beyond my, any expectation that I had. Uh, I also think that it is strange that he didn't think Zuck, who has been personally fighting people in a dojo for two years, would not take him up on this when he needed to rehab his image like this. He needed to look like a Hulk Hogan-style good guy, and here he is. Like, it's, it's kind of insane. Like, I, I, I cannot believe I'm saying this. For Elon's sake, I really hope this does not happen because he might actually die. And I, I don't know what the world would do if uh, the second richest man in the world died in the equivalent of, like, a duel in 2023. Every Twitter blue user will cry. So do you think this is the last chance that anyone has to inflict real pain on Elon Musk. Oh, no. No, of course not. I feel like if anyone fell in love with him and pretended to and then just left, uh, yeah, that, that's real pain. He, he should be used to marriages ending, though, at this point. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. If Grimes called him and said, actually, I was just kidding. The whole time <laughs> I was just kidding. That would be... Just a joke? Equivalent pain, I would say. Just a joke about the entire thing that we were just doing. crying, laughing emoji? Yeah. As far as Elon Musk goes, though, do you think he actually believes any of this right-wing stuff? Do you think he is that guy? Yes, I do. I really do. I think that he is driven, uh, like most people, predominantly through animus of people who have wronged him or seemingly wronged him. And if you look back through the timeline of how this all came to be, um, a lot of it comes from, you know, having a a trans child right and not really knowing how to deal with that and then getting really upset when the babylon b was banned from twitter for misgendering someone and then and sorry i'm laughing at the fact that he was mad at the babylon b yeah 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 in the middle of the night buying you know nine percent of the company assuming that would give him the ability to moderate the platform again somehow being told over and over again by the then ceo that could not happen that they have a separate trust and safety team. And then once again in the middle of the night saying, I can't deal with this and just buying the whole thing uh, out of just sheer anger at, I would say impotent rage, rage literally in this situation of being unable to change the conversation around something that he really cared about. And with that comes the, you know, Ed, the, the, the grab bag of hatred that comes with um, anti-trans rhetoric. You know, once you jump in there, it's a really good pathway to becoming a far right crank. And 
um, it gives you a new media ecosystem to devolve into. For example, maybe you would be really interested in Richard Hanania, the reformed Nazi or the completely unreformed Nazi who has, you know, planted things and things like the New York Times. Um, you know, Elon Musk liked that guy and he's in that space. So, yes, I, I don't think this is some sort of calculated business decision. I think this guy has brainworms and I think he got caught up uh, in a social movement that's based on hate. You think that his daughter transitioning was what caught, what caught, what, that was the thing that got him? Well, he's been very upset about trans issues for a very long time. I don't know exactly uh, the chicken or the egg situation here. I really, I really don't know, but I can tell you has, you know, been personally affected by it. Um, and he has not embraced that community in any capacity. He has been very upset at, um, the inability to, in his mind, make fun of trans people. So, you know, one way or another, that's, I don't know what that actually looks like in practice for him. If that led him to directly buying Twitter or if it was just a series of cascading events, but yeah, and I also think like his seriousness in purchasing this thing um, outlines the whole process, right? He tried to back out of it for eight months and he only didn't at the end of the day because he realized he wasn't going to be able to and more texts of his were going to be revealed if he kept trying to back out of this deal. I think this was a very emotional decision that he made um, based on what he believed uh, and it has cost him ton of money and a ton of respect from regular people. Do you think Linda Yasserino has any power? Uh, I don't, I mean, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> he, he was, he's been ranting about the fact that CEO and CFO titles are pointless. Uh, this came around the same time that his um, CFO at, I believe it was Tesla or SpaceX in last week left. Uh, yeah, I think it was the CTO. A CTO, sorry. Which is so much worse. <laughs> yes, it is. Like, yeah, it's not somebody handling the books. It's somebody handling all the actual tech behind your company. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think she also got hoodwinked a little bit here. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what her deal is, to be honest with you. And I probably should because she used to sell ads for my stories. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, but I hear that she actually can't even do the ad stuff, that she might have a non-compete with NBC. Uh, I, allegedly. There's a lot of media reporting about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it, to be honest with you. But I think they are. I think that's probably that's probably the case. And also, how would you sell ads right now? Like, <laughs> hey, hey, do look, you want to buy ads on the worst social network with yeah. the worst people? We're the number one website for the pirated Barbie movie and also beheading videos. Come... <laughs> Come place your Apple products next to this, which is still happening, by the way. Apple is still advertising on Twitter. So amazing. Yeah. I don't know. So so changing tact a little bit. So based on your reporting for NBC and so on, you read and have to directly stare at some of the worst people on the Internet. How do you keep your empathy? How do you not let it truly darken your heart? Because I've known you a while. You're fairly positive and nice bloke. But how? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, I think I'm just naturally, uh, I try to be like naturally a nice person, but the, obviously this is getting to me, man. Like it's been a lot. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know how you get through it. I think you just have to like really lean on your friends and, um, realize this. We've gone through this before. I read a lot, I read a lot of stuff, you know, I've been trying to read more historically, 
uh, than just stuff in the moment. And, um, you know, a, a lot of people uh, with decent hearts get wrapped up into stupid stuff like this. And that's always been the focus of my reporting is how um, decent people get wrapped up into stuff like this. But, like, there are a lot of people with dark hearts and a lot of money right now who are doing some shady stuff. And I do wish my entire industry were to take the premise of that more seriously recently than to, like, pal around with the bad guys, you know? But, um... How do you mean palling around with the bad guys? You know, the Richard Hanania stuff that came out last week? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the people who are very deeply against... Uh, the concept of like diversity or basic things that we've come to, I would say, take for granted as a pluralistic society in the United States. Those people have insinuated themselves into traditional editorial structures in the United States, the New York times op-ed section. Um, you know, they have, they have worked the rest to the point where um, 1950s style ideas and 1940s style German ideas are kind of, you know, back up for debate again and i thought we had a war about this personally ed but um uh they yeah as as a way to a lot of people are trying to read tea leaves about where the direction of the country is heading and i would say a lot of these editorial departments have whiffed you know they have um attempted to hear them out maybe out of the goodness of their heart right but they don't realize they're being manipulated by you know people with a lot with you know bankrolled people with a lot of hate in their heart. Um, so th- that's why I think we're, you know, we're been going in a weird direction. I, so in a, in a yeah. dream world, how would you fight back against that? What should they do? Uh, I would give them op-eds and like the biggest papers in the country, one. And I would focus more on where all this is coming from, all of the money behind this haze. Um, and how deliberate this all is politically and financially. Um, and how tied up they all are. They're all talking to each other, man. You know, the Elon Musk's of the world and the, um, you know, the far right grifters of, of social media and also, you know, politics as well. They all hang out. They all talk to each other. It's no, it's no coincidence that Ron DeSantis launched his campaign on the worst possible platform that you can launch a campaign on. In the most, in the worst possible way. Yeah. So like, in my opinion, the reporting should be focused on that the reporting should be focused on these big power centers and the shift of power centers i think the issue is a lot of people don't realize that the power centers aren't what they used to look like you know it's not you know the the oil barons of then are the tech barons of today um maybe if they were still oil barons we would take it more seriously right but like um these are these are wildly and deeply um funded uh, hate organizations and they have um, tons of power. And I, I do want to say like part of it is just the distraction. If you're fighting over, you know, if you're fighting over Bud Light, um, you are not fighting over the fact that this guy is making cars that don't not explode or, you know, sending up rockets that don't not explode. <laughs> uh you're not focused on these other very clear, um, I would say, abuses of of power. Instead, you're focused on an influencer who got paid a few thousand dollars 
to do a Bud Light ad, um, despite the fact that she's trans. Um, so all of these things sort of work in tandem. Um, it allows them to get away with a lot of stuff. And uh, we're getting hoodwinked, man. Like, I think most of the people in the media are getting hoodwinked. So final question. What, how do you think this ex-Twitter, ratemynudes.ru, whatever the website's going to be called, what, how do you think this ends? I don't know anymore. Um, I, I thought we were a little bit smarter than this. I thought that the guy buying the pipes um, would be an obvious, you know, to, with the explicit purpose of changing the conversation about hate speech and, uh, you know, what is controversial in on a day-to-day basis. He, you know, he bought the pipeline to the news. And I thought people would have covered it as that. Instead, they were just like, oh, he bought the pipeline, therefore he gets to d- determine, therefore, you know, this guy gets to determine the algorithm that determines the news. There's a dark timeline where that sort of stuff that is popular on Twitter, which is a lot of hatred, which is sometimes even like snuff level videos, which is a lot of violence. That's the stuff that takes over the psyche. That said, most people don't use this website. And most people I've talked to have left it because it's horrifying and terrible. And they have at least diversified um, their social media input. And I think, by the way, I think it's not that bad. Like, I use Blue Sky, and it kind of reminds me of, like, alt-weeklies from, like, 25 years mm-hmm. ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Threads reminds me of, like, People Magazine. Like, it's the most, like, sponsored-ass. <laughs> yeah, like the seven or eight different magazines they sell in CVS. Yes, exactly. And Twitter reminds me of, you know, a man on the subway uh, screaming at me for no reason. So, like, there is there are different media environments, just like there were, you know, it's, it's less, um, I guess it's more balkanized than before. Uh, and that's a new thing entirely. I think the, the worry is going into 2024 that people revert to old habits and they're just like, what's the thing that's trending on Twitter? And it could be um, something very stupid, very dangerous and very like, I, I don't know. I, I think it would hurt a lot of people. <laughs> so um, that's that's my worry. But uh, I'm trying to be optimistic. And here's the optimistic version of me. Maybe something good will happen from the fact that he destroyed this platform. Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Anything you want to shout out? Um, Ed Zitron's 15 Minutes in Hell podcast, which comes out right now. Oh, yeah. I think it's a really good podcast. Like a recursive advertisement. Thank you so much for listening. This has been 15 Minutes in Hell.